welcome to whoa a special super special episode of the cigar snob podcast ladies and gentlemen this is episode 100 wow nice horn yeah. it was pretty serious Petey the dog is celebrating uh with some begging for stuff he's probably not going to get uh and we are celebrating with uh some cigars which is a nice change of pace for us yeah so, uh, so I mean, yeah. It's the 100th episode. You want to celebrate with a cigar. It's the 100th episode, which is... And it's Halloween. And it's Halloween. It is also... It is Halloween. Indeed Halloween. <laughs> oh, wow. That's really good. I'm into that. So, um, on this episode, we are smoking a cigar. Is this the first time that we all smoked this, or had, had you had it before? No. We've all had the regular Viva La Vida. Right. Uh, that was in the ratings a few issues back. Uh, this is... First time we're all smoking this. We just got them a couple days ago. This is the first time we're all smoking this. We are smoking the Viva La Vida Jester. Uh, Viva La Vida is made in Nicaragua at the AJ Fernandez. Yummy's factor dancing. Viva La Vida. Toda la vida. Poniendo trampas al orgullo. Tantas historias. It is a Nicaraguan puro. 5 by 56 uh, it sells for this particular size this is a limited edition size so the gesture the 5 by 56 gesture is a limited edition uh, and well you're going to hear a little bit more about it because they also are an episode sponsor so I'm not going to make you sit through that twice but it is uh, well, we always tell you the retail price it sells in 5 packs for $58 um, so again Nicaraguan Puro uh what are our thoughts so far? I literally just lit it, and yeah. it and it opens strong. Yeah, it it opens and it lets you know, hey, you're smoking a cigar today. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's strong but very flavorful though. I'm I'm enjoying the the very very beginning of it. I'll I'll give you my thoughts as uh as I get more into it. So fair to say the jester's not joking around. Mm. Huh? <laughs> very huh? Well done, sir. Yeah. Well done. You're welcome. By the way, I'm all I'm decked out in in Viva you La Vida. Are. You're Vivaing La Vida pretty hard right now. I got uh, I got my T-shirt on that they sent, so I want to thank those guys, uh, Billy and Gus, and uh, and I got my Artesano del Tabaco hat. That's what that is. I was trying to figure out what that. That's an, an A and a T. Yeah, got it. Yes, I thought maybe it it's was not a, the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, or it's high top Artesano table. del Tabaco. I dig it. Uh, it's a cool looking logo. I almost kind of like that. It was difficult for me to figure it out at first. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I like it. It looks like you're I a part of a too. secret society. And I am. Well, yeah. Maybe not that. Or maybe that is a secret society. <laughs> Who knows what these artesanos del, del tobacco people are up to when they meet in private. Um, so, anyway, we are... Uh, we, we did that. It's we jumped exciting. the gun. It's episode we 100. Jumped man. the gun here. Normally, we do a Drew Estate ad. I did a bad job with this intro situation. I was so excited about this gesture stuff. So, before we get into the rest of what we're talking about, which is going to include a lot of sports... And also a little bit of dead terrorists. Uh, we are going to... Give me more horn. <laughs> give me some more horn for dead terrorists. Dead terrorists. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we are going to hit you with a word from our sponsor, Drew Estate. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense plantation-grown Matafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder with fillers from Nicaragua. Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco, with unique texture, the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera, and presented in five Vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. 
All right, so as I mentioned earlier, this is going to be a sports-heavy podcast because it just seems like a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff is going Everything's on. Everything's going on now. Yeah, this time of year is always sports-heavy. Yeah. So uh, there's going to be there's going to be sports. There's going to be the the endurance sport that has been this podcast. Now that we're in episode 100, and Dead Terrace. But let's start with episode 100. Congratulations, people! Congratulations, Nicholas. This was your. No, no, no. This is well, a but it was your idea team, from this the get go. Thing. No, no, no. Uh, no doubt, it's a team thing. But, but it was your idea from the beginning. You said, "Hey, man." We should do a podcast. We're talking too much shit. <laughs> we should record, record. Yeah, we should record all the crazy shit you say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm, you know, I'm super thankful that you proposed the idea and have uh, had the endurance uh, here, here. to see here, it through. Here. So, here. oh baby, thank you, Nicholas. I'm clapping with uh, one gimpy arm, yeah, and we'll get into that. Oh, we'll get segue. into that toward the end. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you you came into episode 100 with a bit of a bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bang crash. A, a bang crash <laughs> and some scrapes and bruises and things. Um, thank God for downhill motorcycle helmets or whatever it is you right. wear. Uh, do, do we? I, I don't know. I guess maybe like a, an easy way because we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the podcast later with a special guest that we recorded. Uh, but maybe just kind of going around the horn. Like, do we have any favorite? podcast moments or guests or things uh you know i'm a fan of of uh of the the hispanic accents and how they oh yeah how they are perceived by by you know non-hispanics as i travel the country going to cigar shops all over the world and and so people people always want to talk about that they they're like man thank you for putting that up on you know uh, on the podcast so, there's some hall of fame accents yes so uh so I'm a fan of that, uh, and, and you know, the other stuff is like the, uh, you know, Frank Herrera told me when we first started uh, doing the podcast, he was like, "Dude, you know, those interviews that you're doing with the cigar uh, manufacturers are like a, like an oral history of the cigar business, like when we talked to Benji mm-hmm. or we talked to Carlito, uh, and so, I, I, I like that that particular aspect of it. I don't know." If those are the most popular, I think they are the most popular episodes. I think so, are the, yeah. the ones where we bring in those guys, but but I like that. I like that that we're kind of recording into history uh, the thoughts of some of these guys who are those are, those are the masters that 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 we have today, right? Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. So I'm happy about that. So just for for reference uh, of the interviews, because there's like some other stuff mixed in, like these you know roundtable things, but. The most popular interviews of all time so far, 100 of episodes in. 100 time. Uh, top interview, which actually I think he's made a jump because this wasn't the case for a long time, uh, Rocky Patel. Oh, yeah? Nice. Yeah, he sort of like, uh, it looks like he leapfrogged some people because I remember when we used to talk about it, Galito was up there for yep. a long time. Uh, Skip Martin is is way up there. Uh, let's see, Benjamin Mendez, who we just talked about. Um, Manny Iriarte is in the top the top interviews. Uh, wow. Ed Ed Reed. So uh, and Ed Reed is a good example. You know, so it's not all cigar people. Uh, and Ed Reed was was I don't I don't know if if I would say it was necessarily my favorite interview, although it was like way up there. But like the Carlito interview because of how rare that is, that yeah. was pretty cool. Uh, but Ed Reed, uh, that episode has one of my favorite moments, which was. <laughs> Sing it, brother. <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. 
<laughs> Ivan's sing it good. brother that was, was pretty great. Cool. Uh, my favorite moment was the hot dog eating contest. On oh wow! Independence oh man, day. I forgot yeah, about that. That was That's a good one. That was an awesome, awesome day that I got to MC. Uh, <laughs> you guys, because I didn't, I didn't participate. Right. But um, watching Andy, our uh, art director, win just house us. On, on hot dog eating. When that day and become the hot dog eating champ. Yeah, was was a great day. Oh man, are we going to repeat that? Are we doing another hot dog eating contest? Uh, well, July it's, yeah, it's Fourth of July, so yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, but so, we'll have to bring in some more notable eaters right. than you and I. Right, right, right. And have them try to dethrone Andy for sure. Uh, so anyway, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff there. If you're somewhat new to the podcast, make sure that you sort of scroll back. Um, there's also a lot of the draw in there, which yep. is our radio show, short-lived project. You know that, uh, but it was fun. Yeah, but it was a fun thing. It was a cool thing to do. Well, and um, we were doing it uh, in cigar shops, so that right. was different. It made it hard for us uh, from a time perspective, but it was fun to do it in front of a of an audience and from a not using naughty language perspective, which we're not the most foul mouth people around. No, but, but you know, you know, there's an nice. occasional lipinga in there. There's a g- and so <laughs> the yeah. occasional lipinga. Uh, so anyway, sorry to yeah. put that. Sorry to put that in our oh, 100th man, episode. Come on, we're this is a classy. It won't be picked up now by, by by major networks. Man, sorry, major networks, you're missing out. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we will come back. Uh, I'll spoil it here. Stick around through the end of this podcast for a an interview that I did over the phone with someone you've heard a lot about on this podcast, but have never actually heard from, and that is. The Schmooze, Simeon the Schmooze Copeland. Uh, number one fan. Number one fan of the podcast. We we reference him a lot. He's always tweeting about it. He's always, uh, you know, saying stuff. So uh, big thanks to the Schmooze. Oh, yeah. And you will learn why he's the Schmooze, how the Schmooze became the Schmooze. So, yeah, it was like he didn't give himself that name. So that's no. cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the best nicknames are the ones that you didn't of give course. yourself. Yeah. So uh, anyway. It's always nice to hear, you know, the origin story of a nickname. Like, exactly. You didn't just give yourself that Twitter handle. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's like Batman, Spider Man, the Schmooze. Those are the. That's it. Yeah. Origin stories that I care about. So, uh, origin story that ended. <laughs> <laughs> well, or what? What is the no? The well, the origin story of of the most famous uh, dog with no name. So this is the na- the dog who whose name Sounds has not like been declassified. <laughs> Went through the desert with a dog I with no I name. I killed a terrorist with a dog with no <laughs> exactly. name. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, you've probably been seeing pictures. Some of them, as uh, certain media outlets like to uh, describe it, faked, faked photo, which I think is absurd. Yeah. Like they're clearly joke photos, not doctored or faked photos. But um, yeah, a dog was involved in a raid that killed ISIS leader Abu Bakr. A very talented dog, says, That's right. says Donald Trump. <laughs> al-Baghdadi, and a very beautiful dog. And a beautiful, talented dog. Uh, and then uh, in another raid, I, I, or was it the same raid or a different raid? But yeah, the Abu Hassan al-Muhajir uh, was also killed. So ISIS has since uh, named their new leader. I don't know anything about him. I don't really follow the ISIS uh, <laughs> the ISIS bench. You don't follow closely. that like you do UFC, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the, I don't know what uh, weight class he's in. Or don't know anything about him. What is re- what his, his record? Yeah, yeah. What his terrorist record looks like? But uh, you know, if the dog has anything to say about it, I'm all about making fun of terrorists. Oh, for sure. So you can we can do this all day. Like a dog. Like a dog. Like a dog. I love that that he was killed like a dog, 
and then this Damn. dog is a very beautiful dog. <laughs> uh, yeah, so a lot of dog imagery involved in these announcements. Uh, it's been a, it's, it had been a while, right? It had been a while since uh, there was a terrorist death announcement. This, I, I, I Too wonder, long. yeah. Too long. I, w- I wonder what this will do for the way that people see that whole situation, you know, because it does, it's not an insignificant thing if you're killing the two, the dude and his successor. Uh, Especially after they say they were going to pull out. So it seemed like, a, you know. You hit him all, with the okie doke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All hands are are off, we're pulling out, and then you go after their, their top targets, so. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. That's that's our uh, terrorist news segment. Yeah, there it is. Uh, but stay tuned for more terrorist news. The minute that we hear that a terrorist is dead, we will make sure to uh, maybe a few days later update you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, th- this is new. Uh, we're recording this um, early afternoon, uh, Thursday the 31st. Happy Halloween. Um, but at this time, it is new that the Pentagon released video of the raid, so this is like the first video that's uh, that's out there available. Oh, I, haven't, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen it either, uh, but we'll we'll include a link. But by um, the time you're listening to it, you've probably seen it and maybe. parodies of it and parodies, um, and also worth watching that Jimmy Kimmel thing that we were talking about earlier. Yes. So yeah, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, their, their show put together a little mashup of clips from Barack Obama announcing the uh, the death of Osama bin Laden and Trump's press conference uh, announcing the death of Baghdadi. Uh, Baghdadi. Yeah. Uh, any any favorite any favorite lines there? Well, the, I mean, I love the dog part, right? Yep. A beautiful, talented dog. I love that. Um, but then all of the, the self-promotion within. Uh, just the fact that uh, I think that the Barack Obama one was was very short. It was like a eight to ten minute address. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this one went on for like almost an hour. Yeah. It's like, okay, okay, but you told us what you had to say and let's go. Let's move on. Yeah. He digs the Q&A portion too. So. Yeah. He loves the uh, freewheeling. I think that, uh, so that was, I want to say, was that on Sunday? It was around Sunday. Like the, the previous uh, episode of Saturday Night Live, I believe, included a sketch in which uh, terrorists are thanking Trump for bringing jobs back to ISIS, wow. which is <laughs> pretty solid timing. So, wow. yeah. So there's that. Uh, okay. This is our clunky transition to other things. Yes. Like, for instance, we mentioned Happy Halloween. Uh, this is uh, this is a cigar with a person with a costume on it. We're smoking the gesture. Yes. Viva La Vida Cigars also happens to be a sponsor of this episode. So thanks to new brand spanking. Let's get a let's get a horn for Viva La Vida over here. Hold on, I got a cigar in my mouth. Oh boy. <laughs> nice. Uh, I really hope that at some point somebody develops like a cigar holder that also does that. You put that in your mouth, sweet. you can you can take a puff, and then when you blow out, it would only be uh, Ivan would be the only customer, I think. No, I, I'd be all over it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, after 23 years in the retail side of the cigar business, brothers Billy and Gus Faki took a trip to Esteli, Nicaragua that changed their lives. After spending time with A.J. Fernandez and visiting his fields and factories, they decided to have A.J. make cigars for their new cigar company, Artesano del Tobacco. The brothers Faki are excited to introduce their latest creation, the Viva La Vida Jester, 
The full-bodied blend for this 5x56 limited edition masterpiece has been in the works for almost a year and is the product of AJ's mastery in cigar making and the Faki brothers' for, uh, profound understanding of the American cigar smoker. Like all Artesano del Tobacco cigars, the Jester is only available in brick-and-mortar cigar shops. It comes in packs of 5 for $58, which works out to $11.60 per cigar. Ask your local retailer for Viva la Vida, the Jester, or look them up on artesanodeltobacco.net. That's A-R-T-E-S-A-N-O-D-E-L, then tobacco in English, T-O-B-A-C-C-O, dot net. Artesano del Tobacco. You can also connect with them via their Facebook and Instagram at Artesano del Tobacco. And uh, we also gave these guys a, a rating. This this specific cigar a rating pretty recently. Well, it wasn't the Jester. Uh, oh, it, sorry. Yeah, it was the regular, the standard Viva La Vida, which was their, you know, it's the full line of this, right? This is a, a limited edition release. Right. But the full line of it, uh, yeah, we rated it in the July, uh, the July issue, which was our IPCPR issue. And it got a 90. I think that was in the Toro. I think that's right. Uh, yeah, it was a Grand Toro. Uh, yeah, and so a good-looking Grand Toro covered with a nearly flawless dark reddish-brown wrapper opens with a blast of sharp pepper and wood, accompanied by notes of earth, roasted almond, and mocha cream. How does that compare to what you guys are experiencing right now with it in terms of flavors? I think the the the, the pepper and the that upfront pepper I think is is spot on. Uh, that earthiness is there. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of cocoa I think, and that roasted almond. That's that's what I get. Uh, from the jester, I think probably a little bit uh, more intense yeah. than the standard one. Yeah, like I don't get quite the. I, I I could tell you that the mocha cream is there, but it's it's closer to being in the background, or maybe like uh, mocha cream with an extra shot in there. Uh, yeah, of the of the espresso part yeah. of the mocha cream. So what about you, Ivan? What do you what are you thinking about this? The the red pepper is very upfront on it um but i also got the roasted uh nuts some cedar yeah in the yep. background um it's a strong st- smoke for me at least at this time yeah you're not you're not the guy for this cigar right because uh you don't typically smoke full body like this uh not this early not this early in the day but man I, i'm digging it but i like it yeah i uh i do like uh, at certain times you want you want that extra yeah punch right and this one gives it to you yeah so i'm enjoying it it's it is well balanced it's not like uh it doesn't have that like sometimes when something is peppery mm-hmm. it it goes over the top pepper and you don't get anything else uh i think you are getting uh a well-balanced attack here yeah so and it, it. it may not immediately you know i think that the the packaging sort of throws you but if you're a fan of aj fernandez products this is this is a nice thing to throw into your rotation as well, and it's even just the look of it. Like AJ Fernandez cigars tend to just look very precise, you know, and he's yep. he's very into all, you know he's he's a guy who's all about those details, and it just looks like such a well made cigar too, you know. The, the it is. I don't know about you guys, but mine is impeccably constructed. Mine. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. It's drawing, burning beautifully, combusting, really nice. So thank you guys. Yeah, really well done effort here. <laughs> 
So uh, we will be coming back to this cigar. <coughs> this cigar is getting a lot of love on this podcast because we're doing the the yeah, ad read and yeah, we're smoking yeah. it. That's not uh, normal for us. No, right? no, yeah, it's unusual for us. But you know, it just kind of worked out that way, and it's also something we hadn't smoked before. So yeah, we literally just got the the, the package from them yesterday. Exactly. Which is we were going to record this yesterday, right? But the package came in later in the day, so we ran out of time. So what are you going to do? Uh, so. Now into our, our sports segment. There's going to be a long sports segment. And we're starting uh, by being total homers, uh, talking about the Miami Heat, which feels like Miami finally has a pro sports thing to be excited about. Yeah, man. I mean, they not are much to be excited about down here. So it doesn't not take from much. Right, right. No. Right. Well, I mean, the, listen, the Panthers are not doing terrible, but but that's not that's not huge, at least with us three. Uh, but the Heat, the Heat are fun to watch, man. They're such a young, athletic team. Uh, they it, that that style of running up and down the floor, but still playing excellent defense, is uh, that just that works for me. That, yeah. That's you know, like my childhood. I was a uh, before the before we had the Heat. My childhood, I was a Lakers fan. Right, that Showtime, like that was what I loved. I loved watching those transitions. Uh, and then later on, when we got the Heat and Pat Riley, he's uh, all about defense. Right, so then we become like this. This basketball town that loves defense, and so now this team has kind of put both of those things together, and I'm I'm personally enjoying the shit out of it for sure. Uh, so I saw uh, the previous game, which was Tuesday against the Hawks, and that was a super fun game to watch. Especially yeah, I think half. the end of the game, uh, they they kind of lost focus yeah. at the end of the game. There was a bunch of turnovers, but before that, the first three quarters were a blast. Right, right. But that's almost I mean, and in, if I'm like sort of stepping back and looking at them as like a you know, sort of like, what does this team need? There's sloppiness is what tends to cost them. Yeah, turnovers. But it just so happens that at least in the first three games, that's part of what's made the game fun because if you're invested in the heat, you're sort of on the edge of your seat and they don't quite let you down all the way. So it's been a ride. Yeah. It's not what I want if I'm coaching the heat. <laughs> but as a fan, it's been cool to see. It has been. But, man, the way that they play defense, the effort on D, mm-hmm. that's I love watching that. I love that just relentless defense. Yeah. What's 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 going on with you, buddy? You're not digging the heat. I am digging them. Okay. I am digging them. The foul shooting has got me a little down. The horrendous. Foul, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so bad. But so bad. for the you, most part, you got some young guys that are super promising. Looks like Hero is a tremendous steal. What a none shoot Hero can, and none can play defense. He's an all-around basketball player. When they first drafted him, you thought, okay, this is this guy's just some white or sharpshooter. Um, yeah, that's going to be a couple years before he like develops. No, no way. It seems like a complete basketball player. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, this Kendrick Nunn kid. It's like uh, having two first-round picks. Yeah. And they're bo- they both play with so much confidence. They, like, they've been there before. Yeah. Which is yeah, wild. The, Tyler Hero's 19 years old. Yeah. Like, right. I was I was talking about that with my wife the other night. It's like, this kid's 19. Our son is 13. <laughs> it's right. like, what? <laughs> like, in a few years, like, I can't see my 13-year-old son like dunking, traveling dunk, around the dunking world, dunking on someone. Yeah, dunking <laughs> on people. So it's it's crazy, man. Uh, so they're playing the Hawks again tonight. Yep. Uh, so who, that'll be. Who makes these schedules? Who makes them? Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna guess the NBA has something yeah, to do with the NBA is probably. <laughs> Why? What's your beef with the scheduling? Just the back to back playing the same team. But when did they play the Hawks? Tuesday. Yeah. So back to back. So they right. had uh, they, the Hawks played in Miami Tuesday, and now Miami will be in Atlanta. It's like a home and home. Yeah. No, like four days in between or whatever. Weird. What I can do? Yeah, what I can do. A couple days. A couple days in between. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. 
if you're an NBA, who were you a fan of before the Heat came into town? That was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, or if anybody, maybe you didn't back, really have Back in the day, it was, you know, it was just the Bulls were really dominating at that time with Jordan and stuff. So I liked I liked the Bulls, but when the Heat started up, I was like, you know what? Let me become a – let me have some home not a team because I, yeah. I don't have a lot of home right. teams. So I was like, you know what? I better latch on to these guys. Yeah. But I was so. a Bulls fan too until that reign ended. And then like, I was a Heat fan until the two met up. And then I was a Bulls fan for those games. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, when I was a kid, my uh, so my dad and his brother. You were into basketball. Oh yeah, as a yeah, kid. yeah. My dad and his brother used to split season ticket plans, so I'd go to a lot of games. There was like a <clears throat> two or three season stretch there where I went to a lot, uh, and I don't remember anything about my childhood. It was all like like some traumatic. Thing yeah, you've talked happened. about this before. You have uh, nothing back there. Yeah, nothing, nothing happened. But I am told that when Michael Jordan was taking free throws and being booed by Miami fans, I would uh, turn around and very angrily tell people around me to stop booing him. Uh, stop booing him. He's the greatest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yell at him. Don't yell at the goat. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, yeah, once that was done, and even when like when the, when the Bulls weren't in town, I was all about that Hardaway morning situation. That was pretty cool. So, and all the throwing Knicks into the stands. Yes. And all that stuff. P.J. Brown throwing right, throwing Charlie Ward, right? Pretty awesome. Yeah, that was a good time. Those were those were fun, those are fun series, man, against the Knicks. Yeah, who's their rival now? Now we don't really. Yeah, but although now that we're you know relevant, we may develop one. That's part of the thing. It's tough to have a rivalry when you nobody cares about you. Yeah, I I think that there was a little bit there with uh, Whiteside and Embiid uh, for the last couple years. But uh, but then Embiid is such a huge fan of Jimmy Butler now. Yeah, that'll be interesting. The first game, because uh, Embiid also does not shut up. Yeah, he, I, have you seen the beef he has now with Carl Anthony Towns? Well, they just got into a fight, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's nonstop on Twitter. Yeah. So anyway, and even with the with like Whiteside had a, a honeymoon period, but it's tough for the when it's a very like between two players thing. It's tough for the fans to get into it when you're. When the fans are sort of split on you, on you exactly. You know, yeah, we weren't all in uh, uh, as a as a fan base on Whiteside. Yeah, because he was that he was that guy. Like I like I've said before, he would give you a great game and then disappear for a three game stretch. Like, what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah, like no effort. Like people, at least me, that drives me insane. You know what? Boston is a pretty big rival. Yeah, that was a big thing. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Jimmy Butler, I think that's a big part of the hero nun story. Like Jimmy Butler is a pretty unselfish. Yeah, star, getting out at least in this last game against Atlanta, he got outscored by by Hero, and he was you know at least talking like he was all about it. You know. Yeah, yeah. He even like uh, on he says that uh, at least I saw something like that on on social media on Tuesdays are Tyler Tuesdays, and he wears Tyler's jersey in practice. Nice. This is Jimmy <laughs> Butler. Wow. So I think it's pretty cool, right? Yeah. The guy taking uh, the rookie under his wing. Very cool. Nice. So. NFL update. I don't know what's going on. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> this is more Ivan's realm. You know, the Dolphins are, are not much to watch these days. They are still tanking. Yeah. So successfully though. Successfully tanking, man. They are the But best it's not gonna tanker. be easy. There's a lot of shitty teams out there. There are. My God, it's gonna be a race to the bottom. I know, but you know, we said the same thing before the Washington Redskins game there. Everyone was like, Oh, you know what? If there's a game the Dolphins can win, it's this game. No. <laughs> we lost that one too. And I think we play the Jets now. Again, 
this is a game the Dolphins can win. We'll see. Because the Jets are bad also, man. They start off pretty good against the Steelers on Monday night. I know. But then the wheels just come off. And this eh. Adam Gase is like a, a national laughing stock. Yeah. Which I think is awesome. Yeah, of course. He's uh, You see him. Have you seen, like We would make fun of him when he was with the Dolphins. We'd make fun of his press conference antics. But it was your own guy, so it felt different. Now he's doing those antics as a Jets coach. And that is our biggest rival. And uh, and so it's a lot more fun now because you get to really laugh at, at that guy. He's such a clown. I don't know. Yeah. I don't get it. Why the faces? Why like you're an adult, dude. You're not you're not a, a little kid who can make these faces. So I, I just think it's funny. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Did you see what uh, Steve Young had to say about the tanking? Yeah, I thought he was a little. I thought he was a little overboard, uh, saying that. So what he said is, I don't know if if you can pull it up or something like it, but he said. He said something along the lines of you can't tank because, you know, you have the responsibility of the health of the players and you're putting people's lives at risk. These 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 guys are they're all prof- the the line. Be- I don't agree with that. The line between the talent of a frontline NFL starter and and a guy who's sitting on the bench. The difference is is very, very small. It's minuscule. Yeah, I don't think that. It's you're not putting a uh, a guy who plays semi pro ball right. against an NFL safety. You're not putting a semi pro wide receiver to go across the middle on an NFL safety. That's not what you're doing. Is he implying that they're sitting the start the the better players to play the worst players? He's saying that by getting rid of all your players and having all of these sort of backup level players, right? That you're putting people's lives at risk because people are going to get like hit so hard that they're going to get injured. Well, the rules don't even allow that anymore. No, I, I I think it, yeah. I thought it was uh, I thought it was ridiculous. So he says that, and then in the first half, the Dolphins dominated the first half against the Steelers. Right. So it was immediately like, okay, dude, that's foolish what you're saying. Sure. Now so the Steelers, you know, finished off the Dolphins in the second half, you, as they should, right? Because they do have more talent. But no, there's no lives where no here. Get no. out of here. What are you talking? I mean, you about? can say the same thing when all your good players get it. There's a bunch of teams that all your top talent is hurt and you have to play second and third yeah. stringers because yeah, though, are of you putting their you're lives not putting risk? their lives at risk because your top guys are out. No, that's retarded. Well, that's yeah. Yeah. So, so this is what he, what he said. And it's, yeah, it's more or less that he says, you put people's health at risk. This is not baseball or basketball. You can tank in basketball. Nobody's getting hurt in football. You get hurt. What the Miami dolphins have done this year is put people at risk physically. And it's not right. You can't be so irresponsible to put people's health. Uh, sorry, to put to people's health. It's not right. Uh, growing agitated, uh, he said, quote, you can't waste a year because you have to go face the Steelers. The GM can be in the back room, and the plan might be we can get a lot of young players, and we don't have to pay for the next, uh, a lot of young players, we don't have to pay for the next four or five years. Let's make a Super Bowl run and get a quarterback out of it. Okay, that's the plan. So Well, so, and and let me be clear, at least, I, I'm not a fan of tanking. Mm-hmm. I... I'm much more in line with, say, the the heat mentality. The heat mentality is, okay, look, there's no great free agents this, this year. We're going to try to field the best team we can with what's available out there right now without putting our future uh, potential to bring in a big-time free agent at risk. We're still going to try to field the best team possible. They, the heat never tank. Yeah, That's never been, even on their worst season, that wasn't a tank job. right? right. And so I'm not into tanking. 
But at the same time, what the Dolphins have been doing for the last 20 years has yielded no positive result. So I get it. You've run out of options and you're saying, okay, well, we need to do something. Let's just like full reset. I get you. I'm not into the tanking ideal. That's not me. But is full reset equivalent to tanking? I think that what the Dolphins have done because, is a full reset. Because I don't believe in the word tanking, but I believe in full reset. And if you're going to full reset, there are times to do it and times when you probably shouldn't. But you can do a full reset, try to win your games, and then do it calculated where, for example, when the Dolphins do it this year, they're going to have the best crop of quarterbacks ever available. Correct. And so that, this is yeah, what you, this this is what you do. This is the time to do So it, if yeah. you want to call it tank or whatever – Go ahead. It's a calculated move, and you're not putting people's lives at risk. As I, yeah. Steve Young says, you're saving money, you're accumulating draft picks, and you're trying to do it on a year where you're trying to land like the LeBron James, for example. Correct. And uh, the uh, the other interesting thing is I don't think that that they wanted to be this bad, right? I don't think they wanted to get rid of players like Kenyon Drake and, and – uh, and other players that they've recently gotten rid of because they were not going; those players were not going to resign. They had already told the Dolphins, "I don't want to be here anymore." And so then, on top of Fitzpatrick was is is one of those guys. Exactly, Minka's the other one that did that, right? So you've got you've traded away big time talent, right? And so then your team is so bad that now these guys who were guys you were planning on resigning now no longer want to be here, and that forces your hand. And so that's where we're at today. So I think it's a Initially, let's let's get some big time value for these players that, because we can, and then now it's like okay, well, I, I guess we're getting rid of everybody. So right now, uh, I think the only players that are really uh, worthwhile, right? You've got Xavier Howard, cornerback who that's got it, hurt. That's it. Yeah, but then he got hurt. Rashad Jones, uh, he's now back. So anyway, it, it's uh, it, it's not fun to watch the Dolphins right now, but I'm still a fan. I still like when, of course. when, uh, when they were playing the Steelers, I was watching it Monday night. Was- well, what you want them to do is, on the other side of the spectrum, is you want them to turn into the San Francisco 49ers exactly. or the Rams where you're getting a quarterback on a cheap contract, fielding a good team in back of them. And, and, a, trying and to a nucleus max- of young players oh, that you can and then you try and then, years, and then yeah. if you can build and, and achieve to try to get something like that, you can win some games. But you're not gonna get there just trying to do something, you know, the mediocre, the mediocre, uh, whatever eight and eight teams with an expensive quarterback, right? That's what most most teams I think are in that that same space. But Uh, but by the way, on the flip side, the nightmare of that is the Browns, right? Where you've been tanking, been tanking, uh, not on purpose, but they've been terrible. And then they've accumulated the draft picks. They've gotten the players. They got, and then they're still not winning. That's but there's something else because the team looks okay on paper. If you were to look at all the players in all their positions, they look and better than okay. They look better than okay, and but you know it hasn't worked out that way. I mean, there's still like a stigma and the yeah. culture and everything else that goes involved with it. Maybe coaching, uh, but it's still not right. Yeah. Yeah. So. So having more fun than Dolphins fans are Nats fans. Yeah, man. That was awesome last night. Hey there. World, <laughs> little World Series mini horn. So, um, so yeah, yesterday the Nats, the Washington Nationals, uh, beat the Astros 6-2. to two. 
And uh, I was unaware of this because I had not been following this, but Eric, you pointed out to me about the fact that home teams didn't win at all here. Yeah, it was always the road team that won the game, which was wild. I don't remember ever uh, seeing anything like that, right? It was never the home team. So it was the Astros went up two while they were playing in, in Washington. Then Washington wins two when they're playing in Houston. It's crazy. Every single game was won by a road team. Yeah. So I, I thought that was neat. Uh, yesterday's game was interesting. The, the, the Astros were cruising, absolutely cruising in the game, feeling really good. You could see everybody was loose, happy as shit. Ah, hey, yeah. Rico, hey, Rico hey, take this out. <laughs> and then Anthony Rendon hits a bomb. And then Kendrick hits a bomb, and it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> and then from the wheels just came off. Yep. The wheels totally came. They couldn't get the momentum back. They couldn't. So, anyway, it was a, it was a fun game fun game to watch. It was fun to see the D.C. Yeah. Uh, fans getting excited. You that's know, a, that, yeah, that's a good baseball town. Yeah. And, uh, and then did you see the interview? Like, you know, when they start to interview the crowd? No. Oh, what do you think that this has done? And then there's that guy. You didn't see this? No. Oh my God! There's that guy, and this is on live TV, and the guy's like, "Oh, I think it's great. It's great for the DC area. Great for our fan base. Because you know we have a fucking asshole in the White House." (laughs) 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 The lady's like, "Oh, you see the the terror in the Uh. in the reporter's face." (laughs) So that was funny as hell. Let's go back to the cigar for a moment, because I am coming up on the secondary band. Yep, me too. Uh, for me, it's it's sort of ramped up on chocolate a bit. Yeah, it, it has. Uh, I, I agree. The, the like pepper has sort of leveled off with everything else. So what were you what were you gonna say in addition to the chocolate? I, no, I cut that's, you off. that's my sorry. contribution. Okay, no, because I, I agree wholeheartedly. Like now, there's like everything has mellowed out a bit. Yeah, there's milk chocolate in there. There's that creaminess that we were talking about in the original ratings. So, I like I said earlier, really uh, well done. Uh, really a good effort here by by AJ and the, and the Viva La Vida guys. Yeah, this, I think, would be a very good uh, coffee cigar. I agree. Especially, like, among cigars that are on the stronger side. A lot of times, coffee cigar, people are thinking, like, you know, your, your quote-unquote breakfast cigar that isn't quite uh, this big uh, on flavor in terms of the profile. But I think this would do, this would do really well. Maybe with an act, like, with, a, like, a mocha latte sort of thing yeah it would be a pairing of like complementary yeah flavors right similar flavors but uh, but the strength is there yeah it's uh it's it's plenty strong so if that's if that's your jam is to get into uh full-bodied cigars and one thing to talk about i think we should always try to drop in some of our ideas here on 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 cigars so guys sometimes will confuse strength with harshness Mm-hmm. And what I'm talking about, and there is no harshness in this cigar. So the strength we're talking about is a nicotine strength. It's the strength that you feel uh, physically, right? You feel it in the pit of your stomach. You feel it maybe if you haven't eaten anything. You know, you maybe get a little shakes because it's it's a lot of nicotine. So it does have that nicotine strength, which is why you, you always say, you know, have this with a uh, – don't have it on an empty stomach. Yeah. Right? I think people confuse strength with body too. Yeah, for sure. So the, I guess the, I guess the, yeah, the the body of it. So people say full body, and people confuse it with strength. When, Correct. I agree. I agree. It, That's when good. It could so be like the the 
I guess the smoke volume Correct. or yeah, viscosity yeah. It's, of it's it. It's the, the, the body of the smoke when Correct. you draw it in is that's what we're referring. And, and years ago, we made that distinction in our, in our ratings. We made, we made a concerted effort to, to use body when we're talking about body and strength when we're talking about strength and flavor. Cause other people will, will say full flavor and they think, Oh, full body. No, full flavor means it's super flavorful. By the way, this I would consider this full flavored and full bodied, absolutely, and mm-hmm. full strength. Yeah, uh, full so, Yeah, it's full all the way around. Uh, but anyway, I, I that was good. I'm glad you pointed that out because I think people do make that mistake. In addition to confusing harshness with strength, uh, harshness is not a good thing in a, in a cigar. Let's just be clear: if the cigar is scratching your throat uh, and you feel it harsh and and gritty on your tongue. That's not a good thing. Right. That's not that's not how cigars were meant to be enjoyed. Yeah. From the get-go. Now, maybe you like that, and that's okay. You can say I like harsh cigars. <laughs> you yeah. know? Don't say I like strong cigars cuz strong does not imply harsh. Yeah. And and I think that's something that maybe if you're saying that it's maybe because you've sort of and you know whatever, this is what's happened, that's what's happened, but if you've like conditioned yourself somehow or maybe because you were convinced, like, I'm supposed to like... But it's sort of like with spirits, right? Like, nobody says, I really like when a drink is just tough to get down my throat. Yeah. You know, like... Would you say that aging helps harshness? So, to a certain extent, it'll help, but it won't make a bad cigar good. Okay, so right. aging will mellow out uh, with time certain characteristics uh, of a cigar, and... Harshness will probably come down, but it won't be the first to come down. So that's the that's the problem. The first things to come down when you're aging a cigar usually are some of the good things too, like that sweetness. Sweetness is sweetness takes uh, is the shortest one, so that one goes away very early. And so if the blender of the cigar used sweetness to balance out that pepper, when you age it. If it's very peppery, then you're it's going to feel off balance. Because when you age it, then the pepper comes up and the sweetness comes down. Or the pepper stays up and the sweetness comes down. And then you have to wait a long time. The The last one, this is my, this is just experience of, of aging cigars. Uh, the last thing to come down, in my experience, has been like woodiness. Yeah. Like when a cigar is very woody, over the top woody. Aging is probably not going to help that guy because the wood is going to be the last thing to come down. So everything else that was helping you deal with the woodiness or, or counteract that woodiness is going to come down before the wood does. Yeah. So um, so anyway, uh, to answer your question, it does help, but it doesn't cure it, right? You can't uh, because harshness is sort of uh, programmed in when they are curing the tobacco and when they're fermenting the tobacco. If they speed up those processes, then then that harshness is going to be there. And the harshness comes from all the the extra chemicals that should have left the tobacco during fermentation. So when they were fermenting the tobacco before making the cigar, if they sped up that process and those chemicals stay in there and they weren't released like they are when, when the things are fermented uh, slowly, then they kind of get fixed in there. And so that's why it doesn't cure it, right? Of that, let's call it a a malady. Yeah. This may not be the best 
analogy. But I think it sort of works, at least for the person who's new to these ideas. I, I, I almost have this image in my mind of like when you're baking or something and you're sifting. If you do that through, you know, larger uh, openings, yeah, you might get the job done faster. And you'll still be able to bake your cake. Yep. But when you're sifting and you're doing it, you know, the way that maybe takes a little more time and you're careful about it or whatever, or even if like you're mixing something into something that, you know, you're, um, you're, you're simmering, you know. Well, and you're supposed to work it in what, slowly. Exactly. When you're trying to, trying to work something in slow, like there's a reason for it. And if you rush that process, you're not going to get what you intended. And this is sort of similar where yeah, there are things yeah. that you want out of the tobacco and to do it the way, you know, that yields the ideal product takes some patience. Yep. So, um, so anyway. Oh, I got a little deep there for a, a second. Deep, you know. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. This is a Nick's philosophy segment here. I like it. Uh, now we're going to kick to our dedicated golf correspondent. Yes. Ivan Ocampo. We are getting hey, into guys. the third sport about which I know very little. <laughs> this one involves, uh, is the second sport that involves hitting a ball with a stick. Uh, but it is Ivan's speciality here. So, Ivan, you got some, some news. Some But Eric watched it also. Eric watched it also. I, I, I'll contribute. Carry on. Okay. But okay. it's your segment, Carry though. <laughs> Tiger won his 82nd tournament, tying. Does he get a horn? Sure. This, not, this, not an this, enthusiastic this one, This one's for you, Tiger. Tigerazo. <laughs> so, Tiger tied uh, Sam Sneed this week at the... Slinging Sammy Sneed. Or Thank swinging. You. What was it? Slinging? <laughs> something like that. Slanging. They, they called him something like Slangin that. Slanging Sammy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tied Sam Sneed for um, most wins uh, in his career uh, with 82, uh, which was a tremendous accomplishment. Everybody knew he would po- probably get there, but, you know, uh, he's yeah. getting up in age. You still got to do it. Still got to yeah, do, do it. You know he's going to do it, but Taking his downturn, but, yeah. So I saw this uh, graph. Uh, Steffi Graf? No. Oh. This graph that that compared Sam Snead's wins to Tiger's. um, So they both reached their 10th victory at kind of the same age. So uh, Snead was 26, Tiger was 23 at their 10th win. And then progressively, as as time went by, I think Tiger started pulling away. I think that's the gist of this. So uh, 40th career win. Sneed was 34, Tiger was 28, uh, 60th career win, Sneed was 38, Tiger was 31. As you can see, that gap is, yep. is increasing. Uh, 80th career win, Sneed was 47, Tiger was 42, and now for um, the uh, career... Uh, for the 82nd. 82nd uh, win, uh, Tiger now is 43 years old, uh, Sneed won it when he was fifty-two. So even even with the Tiger sort of layoff or forced layoff, right? Injury, injury layoff, right? I thought that the gap would would close and would still close. No, no, Tiger's still uh well well into well his, ahead of his yeah. yeah. And, and so who's next in line? Do you know? Should be like Jack Nicholas. Yeah, uh, right. You got to get into Jack and Arnie here. At I, think, I think it's uh, Jack uh, Ben Hogan. Uh, I, I don't have those numbers right now, but yeah. So I think the what we can pretty much derive from right now is that Tiger probably has a few more wins in him to not only pass him, good, but man. but set a big gap uh, between him and Snead. 
uh, going forward because he's still 43 years old. Sneed won his last uh, one when he was 52. No, that that's it. That was the number one. He's tied with number one. Yeah. Jack Nicholas was, was third on that list. Nicholas had 73. Hogan had 64. Palmer had 62. So Sneed was. I didn't know that. I thought there was somebody else in line. No, no. This no. is it. Yeah. Holy crap. So congratulations, Tiger. Good stuff. Yep. And he did it in, uh, in convincing fashion, right? In this, uh, the Zozo. I don't know how many he won by. I didn't. I didn't oh, watch but, the but he didn't. It wasn't like oh, he's hanging on for dear life. No, no, he, uh, no, yeah, no. It wasn't a nail biter. He uh, he won convincingly. So wow. There's your golf update. There you go. So uh, moving on to NCAA, pretty much all sports. So the Board of Governors uh, started the process to enhance name, image, and likeness opportunities. Uh, this is from the NCAA's own website. So there's a the link that I have in there has a link to this. Uh, referring to our show notes that we're all looking at here together. So this, uh, again, from the NCAA, quote, in the association's continuing efforts to support college athletes, the NCAA's top governing board voted unanimously to permit students participating in athletics the opportunity to benefit from the use of their name, image, and likeness in a manner consistent with the collegiate model. Jumping ahead a bit, specifically, the board said modernization should occur within the following principles and guidelines. Assure student-athletes are treated similarly to non-athlete students unless a compelling reason exists to differentiate. Maintain the priorities of education and the collegiate experience to provide opportunities for student-athletes. Ensure the rules are transparent, blah, blah, blah. Make sure the distinction is clear. Uh, be, uh, make clear distinction between collegiate and professional opportunities. Make clear the compensation for athletic performance or participation is impermissible. And uh, reaffirm that student-athletes are students first, blah, blah, blah. Enhance principles of diversity, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Protect the recruiting environment and prohibit inducements to select, remain at, or transfer to a specific institution. So in summary, it looks like they're going to be developing these rules and sort of putting, a, you know, giving them their more specific shape. But student-athletes will be allowed to receive compensation for the name of their images and likenesses which you figure would affect things like trading cards, video games, posters, maybe autograph sale, but they're not going to be allowed to get paid for actual play for whatever that's yeah, of course. worth. Right, which makes sense. <clears throat> they would be a professional athlete at that point. Right, right. It'll be interesting, I think, to see um, what that looks like because uh, make, uh, make one of these points, make clear the compensation for, athletic, for athletics performance or participation is impermissible. So I wonder whether that would, you know, it'll be interesting to see what that ends up meaning for student athletes' uh, ability to work in things like camps or coaching high school teams, stuff like that, which I'd like to see them be able to do. Uh, But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, like any move in this direction is a welcome thing. So I'm not going to be up in arms if... Yeah, the the interesting thing is what does this do in the world of recruiting? Does that help the big teams or does it hurt them or does it equal the playing field, level the playing field in some way. Uh, I don't know what that's going to do, but I did. uh, But aside from that, did you see uh, Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina? Mm -hmm. You you read his tweet? Yeah. yeah. If college athletes are going to make money off of their likeness while in school, their scholarships should be treated like income. Uh, I, I think that's horrible. That's insane. That's a horrible idea. He said that he'd be, he would be introducing legislation uh 
that he would introduce legislation that would treat scholarships as taxable income. What a, what so a clown crazy. this guy so, is. And I, I don't know. You, On the one hand, cl- yes, it's clownish regardless. But, like, is that, like, the limb you want to go out on as a politician? Like, yeah, this is where you're going? Is, is your constituency so against this that, like, that's the move? I don't know. It just seems so weird. And in such a college athletics heavy state, right? you got UNC, Duke, <clears throat> and other big schools there. I have to think that this does nothing but hurt him. Yeah. <laughs> like, who would elect him? Who would reelect this guy? So I, I thought that was that was wild. And the, the blowback on, on Twitter was, was pretty awesome. Yeah. So what say you, Ivan? I mean, this is hurting the vast majority majority of uh, college athletes, right? Because because this is only really benefiting a handful of of players that are really going to be able to profit off of their. Man, I don't. I don't know. think that they're, it's a handful of players. Number one, I don't. I think that I think well, lot. it depends on how it's implemented. But let's say that Nick's uh, camp. Uh, idea mm-hmm. right where if you are working in a camp you get you get you can be paid for that right, right? and i don't know if that's how it's implemented but if yeah. that just using that example <clears throat> i think that helps a ton of kids yeah because those those camps for high school players are everywhere in comparison to what you're getting taxed so who, the 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 ones that it's not going to matter is the handful that are going to get paid so much money like a zion type of player right so this guy's going to be making so much money in endorsements or, or whatever however they they figure out to pay these people that all if all the other college athletes are going to have to get taxed it's going to hurt the majority oh, of oh them you're saying if richard so. burrs oh yeah yeah cool. yeah okay yeah, now yeah, i understand yeah, where yeah, you're going yeah. that's what, i didn't get where you were going with that Sorry. all right all right all right yes agreed of course that would right that's, that's part of what makes that asinine right, right that's what i'm saying uh, that's okay I didn't, I didn't get where you were going but uh i thought you meant that the, the, yeah. the ncaa rule change would hurt most players. No, it's it's just hurting most college athletes. Yeah, because if they're getting taxed, if no, this Burr if Richard, proposal, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah, but uh, no, uh, I think I think it's going to help kids who don't want to go pro, right, but have to, right. So you've got like, for example, um, we've got for in our case the Canes, right. We've got a uh, we've got a kid DJ Dallas, very good running back. Not going to be a top draft pick if he left this year. But he has a child, right? And so if he needs to uh, feed his family that he has now, he may have to go early, right? Like Mark Walton had to leave early. Like certain players had to leave early uh, because, and maybe Mark Walton's not the right example there, but uh, certain players leave early because they don't have, they, they need to make some money. They, yeah. they come from, from backgrounds that don't have the money to sustain another year of college, right? And then risk injury. If these guys can make some money by using their likeness, man, I think that I think that would help them stay in school longer. And I think that the long term benefit of that is is great, right? So I think that uh, if a kid, because I mean the percentage of guys who make it in the NFL is crazy low. So if a guy can make some money uh, from his likeness right now while he's in college, that'd be a huge help. I'd like to see what those numbers end up. And then and then he can leave with a degree. As opposed to, you know, leave his sophomore year, and uh, and not make it in the NFL, and now you've got a guy who's working at UPS. I think what th- what will end up happening is you're going to start seeing some names on the back of jerseys now, because now you really start profiting off uh, likeness, because now you can start selling the jerseys with specific player names, 
and now that really starts becoming a well, but that a would, revenue ge- generator yeah. for for school and for the NCAA. I don't know how different that is from today. They do sell jerseys they, with, with the kids' names on them. They do. Yeah, I think I think it's more some schools choose to have them on there and, and not, right? Yeah. So, like for example, uh, I know because I'm I'm in the Hurricane Club mm-hmm. and I get those offers to buy uh, game uh, game jerseys with so and so's name on it. So. I know that that already happens, but I know that the money does not go to the kid, obviously. Right. Not, yeah, no. It's a with donation this, to the no, Hurricane Club today. Yeah. I would, I would, if this is just me, like, pulling things out of my butt, I would think that maybe the NCAA doesn't go that route because I think that at that point, the NCAA is licensing all that stuff. And the minute that you start compensating people as the NCAA, because what you're opening the door here for is for these kids to go off and look for opportunities outside of the con- that construct, yeah, games and things like that. Yeah, but once you start uh, EA sports, yeah, once you start paying them, uh, or profiting off of their name specifically, and then paying them, now you're creating all of this like natural incentive. Now you're creating the inevitable path to having to bargain collectively with college yeah, kids. Of course. And do you even want to open that floodgate? No, no, no. I think, but the way that I see it is like even at smaller programs, like if I'm the kicker. At some, you know, Division two school and some car dealership is like, oh, you know what? We're going to do a promotion where people come and, you know, kick with the kicker from such and such a state university. Yeah. Uh, you know, why shouldn't that kid be able to get 150 bucks for a few hours of kicking a football around, uh, you know, or signing autographs there? You know, I'm going to sign your poster or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, again, I, I don't know how it's going to yeah. be implemented. I don't think any of us know how it's going to be implemented. So it's a little premature to, to talk yeah. uh, about you know scenarios uh, but I think we're on the right track yeah so, so I'm happy I'm happy for the athletes because I, I think it's uh, it's a shame these these schools and the NCAA make so much money off of this off of them yeah and they don't get not even a tiny sliver of a slice right so uh, I mean they do get an education and, and that has a tremendous value but but you still got to live your life yeah. every day right you still need to pay some bills so yeah. So anyway, I, I just read just read now Zion had, had mentioned something about um, they they asked for his opinion and he goes, of course, I made two point three million dollars in sales off my jersey last year, that, and that was while he was at Duke. So he thinks, yeah, that kid should start getting paid for stuff like that. So. Wow, yeah. So um, that concludes our regular sports content. Although we'll be talking a little bit more sports in the recommendations. And also uh, one extreme sport that uh, put my arm in a sling. Not really a sport, but we'll call it that. Sounds cooler. In the meantime, though, Eric, you've been drinking tea. I have been. You know the the episode that we that we did with uh, with Mike and uh, and Frank and Kunu. Uh, you know they left a bunch of tea stuff, and then JoJo sent us uh, JoJo Tea, which is Mike Ortiz's company, SipJoJo.com. Mm-hmm. They sent they sent us uh, some teaware. Uh, for us to be able to consume the tea that they had left behind because uh, we didn't have the the accoutrement the, yeah accoutrement to make it happen so we i've been doing it. i've been drinking it daily i'm digging it you yeah. know one of the things uh, aside from the flavor that i that i really like by the way the the teas that sip jojo has i'm a nov i'm a complete obvious a complete novice in this but man pretty uh pretty awesome teas like the that amber red that i've been that i've been drinking that stuff's amazing. Now, what I love about it is that unlike 
because I like to drink American coffee. I've basically, for the last week or so, have replaced American coffee with these loose leaf teas. So I'm not talking about a tea that's in a little tea bag. Uh, it's these loose leaf teas. And so you get to, in a, in a drip coffee, you brew your tea, uh, sorry, your coffee, and then it sits there all day and then you drink from it. And it's on that warmer and it starts to, it starts to get kind of bitter because it's on that warmer all day. Whereas, and I'm the only one that drinks American coffee in this office. So uh, these teas, you brew it, you pour it out, you drink it. A little while later, you want more tea, you brew more of it. And it's a very quick brew. It's a, you, you steep it for like 30 seconds to a minute. So, so I'm able to drink tea throughout the day yeah. without having to like rebrew a pot of coffee. Right. And so that part of it I've liked a lot. And then the other part, I don't know if this is placebo effect or not, but the fact that it gives you, uh, it stimulates, you know, from a caffeine perspective and then from the L-thanine perspective, uh, that's pretty cool. It's, it's different than coffee. It doesn't make me jittery. So I like that aspect of it too. Good stuff. So I've been drinking a ton of it. <laughs> Are you, but you're not on the tea train yet, Ivan. No, sir. But you've had, you, you've had some of the ones that, yeah. that I've been brewing. Yeah, yeah like when it's, it's around, nice. I'll, take, I'll take some tea. Yeah, you it's know? nice. So yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a nice little change of pace. And uh, the cigars, because this, this is some really high-end tea that has a ton of flavor, you can, it doesn't, uh, the cigar doesn't kill it. You can, you can have a, uh, maybe not this cigar, because this is, this is a pretty powerful cigar that will maybe overshadow that tea, but I haven't tried it with it. <clears throat> but uh, but anyway, the the fact that those teas are are uh, pretty flavorful allow me to enjoy them with uh, with a cigar, much the same way that I would have a coffee. So for that, for what that's worth, good stuff. Thank you, Mike. From, Thank you, uh, Mike. Sip Jojo of Sip Jojo. SipJojo.com. Uh, so uh, regular listeners of the podcast know that I recently purchased a boosted board stealth. This is an electric longboard that has two motors on it and tops out at about 24 miles an hour. Uh, my arm is currently in a sling. <laughs> uh, we all knew this was coming at some point or Not another. Not surprising, no. Not surprising. Um, I, uh, I hadn't been on the board for a while. Got on it. Rode, uh, I was riding like a, a little rusty, a little rusty a little, ride. A little rust. Do you have a uh, crash soundbite we can insert here? We'll throw it in here. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, I went over a, a railroad track that I'd gone over several times before. I have a feeling maybe I was going a little faster than usual. Got a little wobble on there. And sure enough, with the wobble uh, came, uh, I'm not a weeble. Yeah. I, when I wobble, I fall down. Uh, and so I landed on... The turntables might wobble, but Nick falls down. Nick falls down. Uh, I landed on my elbows, which was, you know, I was trying to break my fall, but my left shoulder has bothered me for a long time. I dislocated it as a child. Well done. And, uh, and it came out. So I rode another two miles, had my sister, who was where I was going, uh, pull my arm. It popped back in. And I'm pretty sure I didn't do major damage. But I got it in a sling. I'm, I'm, like, to... <clears throat> I'm envisioning, remember that scene from Lethal Weapon? Yes. Right, where he has to, like, bang his shoulder oh, yeah. back into I, place. I yeah. did attempt that. You did? On a telephone oh, my pole. God. I attempted Why? that on a telephone pole. Why is there not security cam footage of that? So I attempted that. I, I only real. So when my sister popped it back in, I realized, oh. It popped out toward the back. So I was slamming the front of my shoulder <laughs> into a telephone pole. Yeah, I don't think I made it work. Cause I, I, I also like, uh, I did it thinking like, okay, let me go sort of light, but I don't want to go full speed. 
because I'm doing it wrong. You know, this was my reasoning at the moment. None of mm-hmm. it made any sense. Um, I did then attempt the back, I but I didn't know how to like slam my shoulder backwards into things. So should have called I, Mel Gibson. I should have called Mel Gibson. I I I uh, got on my back in the grass and I tried like slamming. <laughs> oh my god! You know, I didn't that, know any of this. And oh that got god. and that got me nowhere. So I rode another two miles and then backwards, finally, like, hopefully falling. And then you. Were... <laughs> That would have been awesome. Uh, yeah, so I, I rode another two miles. I had my sister pull it out. It popped back in. And it how did she know how to pull it out? She'd never done. I don't even think that I told her why she was pulling my arm. Uh, but yeah, she Just like pull my arm. Yeah, like, like, like pull my finger. Like joke. I, you know, well, she thought it was she, a joke. She thought a she, fart was coming. Yeah, I mean, she knew it was hurting, but I think maybe she just thought like this was going to bring me some relief. Uh, but she pulled it, and I was like, nope, pull it harder. And she pulled it harder, and it whoosh, popped back in. In what direction? From the back to the front. Okay. At least that's what it felt like. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So, oh, you mean like what? Where did she pull it? No, she. Yeah, you just no, told no, me from, like, ba- from no, the no, back no, no. to the front. I, I put my arm out this way, yeah. which, and I just kind of figured if you pull it out toward your side, it'll end up back where it's supposed to be. Okay. Uh, so that's what I did. Yep. Uh, yeah. And my favorite thing was that she told me, "Oh my god, you have no idea what that felt like." I was like, "You were holding <laughs> my wrist." Yeah. And that was my shoulder popping back in. I know what it felt like. Yeah. I'm Thanks. told it was loud though. And when when it happened, like. I, I wasn't really conscious of how loud or not it was. She told me it was loud. So hmm. there you go. That's what happened. But I did. I was inspired by Mel Gibson in my initial attempts <laughs> to, to fix this problem. Because <laughs> I think he dislocates his shoulder like in each movie maybe, right? Doesn't I think it's twice. There's, I remember Yeah, one it was like a running theme yeah, yeah, yeah. in the first two, I think. So there's one like in a police station where like he slowly walks to a wall. And there's another one like in the rain, very dramatic, when he's fighting the karate guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, that's what happened. I will be back on the board soon, um, and I will be going a little more slowly over those railroad tracks. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, good thing I had that helmet, though, because I don't did, think you, I did. Did you look my... it over? Did you look at the helmet, see if there's, like, a, a ding I, on the back or, or I something? Didn't notice, I didn't notice dings, uh, but I did fall, like, on my stomach, and so, it, you know, but if anything... I mean, Saved it, your grill. Yeah, save, it might have <laughs> saved my grill. And your neck. You didn't have to put your neck back into place, hitting it against the pole. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so tomorrow's anyway. episode of the podcast so. has been postponed. <laughs> Nick's head. Uh, so that is the update on the boosted board. I still highly recommend this product for whatever that's worth. Yeah, I, I, you know, when I was talking about the Sip Jojo and 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 you know, we're talking about these cigars, and I know that uh, Viva La Vida is a, is a new sponsor, and we're smoking the cigar and saying good things about it. And then I'm talking about the teas and Sip Jojo and how much. I was like, the you know, Sip Jojo is not paying me to talk about these oh. teas, and Boosted is not talking about. No, this uh, is it's not, not paying other, you to talk about their. This boards. is not the promotion they want. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I was about to say that when I, I forgot. Yeah, the stories about you falling on a yeah. Boosted. Nobody's gonna <laughs> think that they're paying you for this. Uh, and they and boosted. we get paid for very little around here. Right, right. So I just want to be clear. So, speaking of people who aren't getting paid, we did not pay the schmooze for this appearance. Uh, so, all of this is exactly. the real the real deal, Holyfield. Um, we, uh, I got on the phone, on the horn, with Simeon, the schmooze Copeland. He is a... On his birthday. On his birthday. Happy birthday. Happy, let's, happy let's belated birthday. Let's a horn over here. Come on, man. Come on. 50 years. 50 the years of schmoozing. The schmooze is 50. He's older than Tiger. Older than t- this is crazy, but and you know what the schmooze, you're you're the Tiger Woods of cigars now podcast listener <laughs> for uh, sure. So uh, here is a brief conversation with the schmooze. 
who you've heard referenced a whole bunch of times on this podcast, and now you kind of get to know a little bit about yeah, the Yeah, and go give him a follow on Twitter, at least, right. so you can see what we're talking about. Let's, let's find out. Uh, when we come back, we'll tell you what the schmooze is on Twitter now, because his name is always changing. I know, but his, his handle, handle, his handle stays the same. Yeah, it's the schmooze. So anyway, yeah, let's uh, let's just kind of start with, uh, you know, for people who listen to the podcast and have heard uh, heard all these references to the schmooze, who's the schmooze? Who are we even talking about here? Who are we talking about? Um, well, are we talking real name or? Oh, however you want to go about it. I don't know. I don't know how secretive you want to be about it. So no, it, it's fine, dude. Simeon Copeland. Okay. I mean, the nickname is kind of a funny story. I mean, thirty years ago, we were at a party. I was probably oh god, nineteen at the time. Girl kept pronounce my name. She kept saying schmoo, schmoo, and then finally come out of schmooze and. It's stuck ever since. The, and she's trying to say Simeon and the schmooze came out. Yeah, well, Jack Daniels has that effect on some people. That's what it'll do, especially especially 19-year-old girls, Jack Daniels. <laughs> that's a recipe for schmooze. <laughs> yes, it is, in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we're having this conversation on your 50th birthday. What'd you do? What'd you do to celebrate 50? Um, I actually worked all day today, which nice. is pretty typical for me, but um, got a bottle of Glen Fittich tonight, so as soon as we get done, going to pour one of those, and unfortunately, I, I can't smoke because I've come down one of those aggravating Florida summer colds. Oh, which, yeah. You know, which, you know, year-round, I mean, it's, it's always a summer cold in Florida, so. Yeah, that'll do it. I know Eric, Eric had one of those uh, maybe up until yesterday, so. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's I'm at the hacking stage now, so right. it's like I walk around with a trash bag around my neck today, just waiting for the lung to come out. So, well, if you want to let some of those loose now, that'd be great because I think that's the kind of radio we're after. So, <laughs> <laughs> Flim FM. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, get this guy a radio gig. Actually, you know that's funny. I worked in radio for about ten years. Oh yeah, what'd you do? Oh, I was program director. I did uh, morning news, sports, produced, I mean, overnight. So it's kind of ran the full gamut of radio there for a while. Nice. And when you were on the air, did you go by the schmooze? No, I actually went by Chris Ryder, which wow. don't even ask. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, it was where I was on radio, it was a small town. Everybody knew me. So it was like, my program director at the time, he's like, well, you need to come up with some sort of a name because if people hear Simeon, I don't want them to say, oh, we don't like this guy, and they flip it off. So we came up with this Chris Ryder guy, and it just kind of took off. So how? tell me a little bit about uh, how you came into cigars because everybody's got a little bit of a different version of that. Yeah, it was funny. I was I was actually doing a live remote broadcast for the radio station I was working at at a shopping mall. And the, I guess he was like the general manager of the shopping mall came over afterwards. He goes, let's, let's take a walk around so you can see, you know, everything that we've got here. You know, we've been there for two hours. So we, you know, kind of talked about all the stores they had and everything. And they had a tinderbox store there. So me and him, we kind of talked for a while and I went back into the tinderbox store and we're just kind of walking around and you know, at that time, it's like Fuente was like the big cigar brand. Right. And we walked into the humidor. I was talking with, I, 
I, I would say he, the guy was a tobacconist. I mean, I guess, you know, even back then. But um, they, I remember them not having a huge selection. But on top shelf was a box of Fuente Double Chateau Maduros. Okay. And I kept, I kept looking at it, looking at it, and I was like, give me a box of those. And that's kind of how it started. Wow. So, you, so yeah, you went big for your for your first box. Yeah, I mean, you know, I kept I kept looking, you know, and I'm trying to remember some of the other brands they had there at the time, but it was like, yeah, I kept looking at stuff on the top shelf, which I guess when you work at radio, you always want top shelf stuff anyway, whether it's whether you're at a bar or a cigar store or whatever. But that's the one that just caught my eye. You know, had the cedar wrappings on it on each cigar. Right. May have been a a green or red foot band on it even back then. And I took them home, had a couple of friends over. We had a couple and I've been hooked ever since. Good stuff. So tell me about how you came into, uh, the cigar store. I, or I don't know whether you, you were a subscriber or just tell me about your relationship with cigar snob that you were, you were a reader of the magazine and then came into the podcast or, or how'd that happen? Yeah, it started as a reader. Um, Right across the street from where I live, there's a small little cigar shop. And I went over there one night for an event they had. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was a Perdomo event because I remember Billy Perdomo being there. I don't know if you, I'm sure you know Billy. And um, went there, and, you know, we we're sitting around having a few cigars. And I look on the, the table there in the shop, and there's Cigar Snob Magazine. Now, I've heard of. Uh, you know, there's other cigar magazines out there, and they had those there. But, right. you know, to be honest with you, I mean, here's a magazine. has got a beautiful young lady on the cover. You know, I picked it up, and I, you know, sat there, and I, I flipped through it. Not Maybe not necessarily, quote-unquote, reading the articles, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I looked through it. And I got done, and I go up to the desk, and I, you know, bought a box of Perdomo, and... I told the guy, we'll throw this in there, too. He goes, no, it's on the house. Don't worry about it. So it's like, all right. So it's like I started going to this shop all the time. And it's like, you know, every other month there's another issue, another issue, another issue. So it's just like I picked it up. And it, it appealed more to me because I guess I'm more now, at this point, a blue-collar guy. Right. You know, I you know some some cigar magazines you pick up and it's like, it's a lot of high end stuff, you know, stuff that i necessarily can't afford, but I look at your magazine and it's like, okay, well, here's a $60 bottle of mezcal that I might want to try. Right. 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 That, that I can afford a $28,000 wristwatch. Now that, that does nothing for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And at least for me, you know, there's a, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it just it just appealed more to my, I guess, blue collar roots, maybe. Sure. And so, did you come across the podcast because you were already following uh, stuff online and in social media or something like that? Or, yeah, I think you know I followed you guys on Twitter, you know, and I heard the you know I saw you know that you guys were doing a podcast, and I love cigars and I love podcasts, so I mean it was like it was a it was a natural fit. <laughs> so what else, what other podcasts are you listening to? I'm curious to know, like, what we're in the rotation with. Uh, Tony Kornheiser show. Okay. Um, Tony Kornheiser from PTI. Um, 
I actually like two NPR podcasts, Car Talk, believe it or not, which is basically now just um, reruns of all their old shows. Yeah, but they're still good. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, wait, wait, don't tell me. Um, there's a couple of, um, well, I say a couple. There's quite a few Levitard and Friends podcasts that I listen to, his podcast that he does. Uh, Marty Smith, um, there was another ESPN personality. Um, and there's a couple of Southern type culture, um, I guess, literary podcasts that I like to listen to just cause I like storytelling and being from the South. That's kind of, kind of right up my alley. When we started doing this, we were like, who the hell is going to listen to the three of us talk all this shit at the right. office? Uh, so tell me a little bit about what it is that, that appeals to you here and what it is that you wish you were getting more of or maybe something you don't like. Like, I'm just curious to know what your feedback in general is on it. I mean, it's, you know, I was thinking about it earlier today when I was when I was working. I was like, well, I kind of wonder what these guys, you know, what you're going to ask me. But I think it's just the, the chemistry between you, Eric, and Ivan. I mean, and that's that's a big thing for me because you can listen to podcasts sometimes and you can hear guys just BS each other, you know, but it's, I think it's the chemistry between you three guys more than anything. And I can relate it almost to listening to like say Tony Kornheiser's podcast. Okay. He's got a, he's got a chemistry with every guest that he has on there. The thing is he has the same guest every week. There's never anybody new. Right, and right. I I think that's what appeals to me is when you get people together like that that have that chemistry, you guys could be talking about any damn thing in the world. You know, whether it's some, like the Kardashian stuff from your last podcast. Sure. I don't give a damn about the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, neither I mean, do reality, <laughs> reality TV is like, reality TV to me is like the National Enquirer. It's just something you see on the shelf and it's like, eh. Right, you know, right. enough of that. But you guys talking about it yesterday, I'm sitting there laughing about it, then I throw a tweet out there about it. Right. You know, and that's that's the thing I like about it is you whatever you guys are talking about, it may not be something I'm just dialed in on, but it, it can draw me in. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the – I think that the, the podcast for us has become like another example of, you know, I think a lot of times the – online thing is sort of talked about and, and painted, whether it's social media or just general mm-hmm. like internet content as a thing that sort of like puts space between people. But I think maybe because cigars are involved, uh, you know, we've found yeah. that whether it's the fact that I'm on the phone with you and, you know, why the hell else would I have been on the phone with you right now? Or even like <laughs> exactly. relationships with people in the cigar industry who, you know, maybe they're in and out of our office a million times to make a sale and then they never, like the podcast becomes a way for them to feel like they're connecting on a different level that otherwise they wouldn't have time for. Although there's a lot of people right. that just kind of pass through it, which you're always welcome to do. Uh, but there are mm-hmm. a lot of people just kind of pass through here to drink our booze and smoke our cigars. Um, right. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think for, for us that's been part of the cool thing, you know. Um, and, and I think what you guys are doing is great. I mean, whether it's a short-form interview and, you know, at the same time, I know just from reading the magazine over the years and then now listening to the podcast, we got, you know, the, the interview you did with uh, Michael Herklotz. 
Yeah. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Yeah, yeah. I knew I knew that was going to be coming in the magazine, but at the same time, I looked forward to it because I knew it was going to delve a little bit more into it. Right. Yeah. That's and and for me, that's the other thing, right? I, I do a lot of these interviews, and then you find yourself having to cut things that maybe you like, or maybe that you know you had to cut mm-hmm. them for uh, for space. When a lot of the ums and ahs kind of contribute to 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 the tone and how somebody understands what the person's saying. So. Um, exactly that becomes almost a part of it um, and I, and like I said I think what you guys do is, it's perfect because it varies from show to show you know whether it's that short form interview or when you do your round table I mean it's I don't want to say it's perfect because I mean everything can use improvement but it's damn near perfect yeah no but you can say it's perfect if you want okay well it's perfect <laughs> you, I'll, I'll give you my address afterwards you can mail the check there you go <laughs> <laughs> so uh so we'll we'll end on this note uh if you had a and you can name any number of things i'm not gonna say t- you know one or top three but if there's things that you haven't heard on the podcast that you'd like to hear what is it you think that we should be i don't know doing more of or trying to make happen maybe there's somebody we haven't had on who you'd want to have on because really at this hmm. point you are easily our most engaged listener so if there's anybody's feedback who that, that counts it's yours um Man, that's tough. Um, to be honest with you, the interview you guys did with Skip Martin yep. from Romacraft was perfect for me because I've been a fan of his for years. Cool. Um, maybe something along the lines of music. Okay. I mean, I know that's kind of a, that's kind of a huge thing for me because a lot of times when I have a cigar, I'll throw the earphones in and I'll listen to maybe, you know, whether it's jazz or I, you know, jazz is to me is like a perfect cigar type music. But I think maybe something along the lines of music, maybe whether it's in your recommendations at the end, yeah, yeah, um, or maybe even books. You know, I don't know. I like to read, so that's sure. you know that's something. You know, but I mean, as far as recommendations to what what would make it better, I I really don't know, man, because it's 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 a podcast I look forward to. I mean, it, it's second on my second on my podcast library, right behind Tony Kornheiser. Boom, us and Tony. All right, man. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up there. But like I said, if you ever find yourself around here, by all means, give us a give us a shout and and you know just to make sure we're actually all pretending to work here in the office and, and drop by. <laughs> Nick, I sure appreciate it, man. I love what you guys do, and um, look forward to the next podcast. All right, we appreciate it, man. Thank you, man. Tell everybody I said hello. Will do. All right, and that was our chat with the Schmooze, who is the Schmooze on Twitter. What's his, uh, how do you spell it? So his handle is the Schmooze, so the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z. And uh, his name his name is constantly, as you mentioned, constantly changing. At the moment, it is Hobnail Boot Cobbler, Inc. There you go. But he's had he's had a bunch of names. Mama's Blue-Eyed Boy, he's, yeah. he, something like that. He's always... He always changes his name. He reminds me a little bit of uh, of Popat. Popat's name is always changing. I don't know if you know of Popat. No, I don't. Popat is uh, is an attorney and political commentator, and his name is always changing based on like whatever's in the news. Um, human so, scum hat. Human scum hat. Currently. Right. So yeah, he'll hold, he'll. It's a different hat all the time. Uh, so anyway, thanks to the schmooze. And now, before we get into our parting recommendations, a word from episode sponsor Drew Estate. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense, plantation-grown Matafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder 
with fillers from Nicaragua, showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera and presented in five Vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. Okay, this is where we get into our parting recommendations and let you know things that we think you should eat, smoke, watch, do, read, buy, and other uh, activities. Ivan, what you got? Finally went to the movies, hadn't gone in a very, very long time. And probably the last time I went was to go see a kids movie with my daughter. Yep. Uh, so I w- had a date night with the with the misses and went to go check out the Joker, which Eric was supposed to go see, and he didn't. But I did. I, but I've been working. <laughs> I have not had a date. I with haven't. My wife. No, I haven't. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and the movie is great. I I mean it's done great. So that's your recommendation. Ticket. Go see the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm asking. Okay. No, because you 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 said the whole story. So now, so I wanted to be clear. The recommendation is to go see it. You liked it that much. Yes, to go see the Joker. So it's gotten great reviews, broken a lot of records in the ticket box in the box office. I personally liked it uh, because I'm into whole production value type stuff. Uh, but besides being a great production uh, and an incredible uh, acting display by uh, Joaquin Phoenix, um, it was very interesting to get some of the backstory on on the Joker, which I wasn't aware of. I didn't I didn't read many comic books as a kid, so I didn't know, um, you know, his interaction with uh, Bruce Wayne and his dad and all of that. Anyways, <laughs> go see it; it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So cool. I'm sorry that I did not go see it, but. Honestly, we've been, no, I've been slammed no, over here. That's okay. That's I've okay. been going to the Neptune party, and I, I've just been, <laughs> and the Sushi Saki party. Yeah, it's tough. So last episode, my recommendation is UFC 244. Last episode, we were talking about the fight maybe being off. It is not off. Uh, UFC 244 is happening Saturday, uh, November 2nd, at Madison Square Garden, and it is being headlined by Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz. Uh, so... I, there's, they've covered the shit out of this event. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not if you're into say, this, you know all about it. Yeah, and even if you're not into it, if you watch ESPN casually, like these guys have been all over the place, I yeah. will say if you think that you want to watch this fight, and uh, but you're you haven't really like followed this stuff closely, uh, we were talking a little bit about this yesterday. The UFC, I think, more than any other sports, you know, league or promotion or whatever, does a really good job of uh, creating. Uh, content that sort of brings you up to speed and helps you sort of consume this thing that you may not be well, super and put the with. fight in, in in context, right? right? But I mean, even from like a technical standpoint, uh-huh. so so they do this thing every every major event they do with at least one of the fights on the card. Dan Hardy, who's a, a former UFC fighter, uh, does a thing called Inside the Octagon, and that's on their YouTube channel. So if you look up Inside the Octagon, Masvidal Diaz, you'll find that on YouTube. And it's like a 20-minute breakdown of highlights where they sort of break down their styles and sort of explain, you know, the the oh, cool. the things of this matchup and what you're looking out for and what to anticipate and what adjustments somebody might make and all that sort of stuff. So uh, pretty cool stuff, and, and I would recommend that for, for this. And, like, if you like geeking out about that kind of thing, even going, you know, back 
and watching other ones is uh, now is, we know Masvidal is is from here from Miami. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Nate Diaz, Stockton, California. Oh, so he East is East Coast, uh, West Coast, baby. East Coast, West Coast. You, you ain't no West Coast gangsta. I'm not good with the no, Nate Diaz. No, yeah, I almost broke into a Tyson there. <laughs> it sounded uh, like Tyson. A little, a little I thought you were doing a Tyson. Yeah, but uh, but no, Nate Diaz is uh, is from uh, California, Stockton. From what Stockton I Stockton sounds like a tough town. From what I understand, it's been like perennially, you know, depressed. Uh, oh. And then the uh, the whole housing market thing really just sort of dealt it a, a shit blow, uh, <laughs> and and it is not a fun place to be supposedly. So anything getting a shit blow is not. <laughs> I just, sound like a I good just thing. made that up, and I don't know yet whether I like it, <laughs> but I'm gonna test it out. Uh, so yeah, check that out. There's other good stuff on the card. So the co-main is Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, who recently lost to Israel Adesanya, who's now uh, the um, the welterweight, uh, not welterweight, the uh, middleweight champ. I forget what weight class. Um, but he recently lost to Israel Adesanya and Darren Till, who was knocked out by Masvidal uh, two fights ago, or two Masvidal fights ago. So, uh, but these are both Stephen Thompson. Uh, his last fight, I think he lost to... Um, uh, the um, uh, Anthony Pettis, who Nate Diaz beat in his last fight. So, like, there's a lot of guys who are sort of, like, top-tier fighters coming out of losses. Uh, and so the rest of that card, you know, is is loaded with, like, some some big talent looking to, you know, redeem themselves. Uh, and so that should be cool to watch. So, anyway, that's my recommendation. That was a long UFC thing. but That was. It was, but it's all right. That's good. So my recommendation is, uh, I, I know it's self-serving, but... It can also serve you, right? You can enter the Nubs for Days giveaway on uh, on CigarSnobMag.com slash nub. What we're doing is we're, uh, for a month, we're letting you enter this giveaway. We're giving away a nub humidor, a 48-count humidor that is loaded with uh, nub Connecticut's and nub Cameroons. And so when you go there to CigarSnobMag.com slash nub, you can just you can enter by just putting in your email address and name, but you can also add entries by tweeting, by following our Twitter account, by following the Instagram account. Th- those kinds of things they give you uh, more entries. So go into that. Nubs are nubs are a good cigar. I, we we dig nubs. We don't rate them enough because it's it's a funky little size. Yeah. But uh, but we're big fans. So cigarsnobmag.com slash nub. That's easy enough, right? Yeah. Cool. So, there it is. That's my uh, recommendation. That's the thing. So with that, we conclude our 100th. Our 100th. One more horn for the people. Hold on. <laughs> wow. Petey is not into that. <laughs> uh, that, that is, this has been episode 100 of the Cigar Snob Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you haven't, go back and listen to the 99 other episodes. Yes, there's plenty of good the stuff Cigar in Snob there. Podcast. It'll keep you busy for a good long time. Uh, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, uh, Google Podcasts, also SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, all those things. You can listen on all the things or just go to cigarsnobmag.com slash podcast. Also, cigarsnobmag.com, hit the shop tab, and you can subscribe to the print magazine buyback issues or T-shirts. Yeah. Some pretty cool T-shirts. Follow us on social media at cigarsnobmag all over the place. And that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. All right. See you.